Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Crawley. This message is by Colin Squires. since I've been able to be here in person. So many things we can blame COVID for, hey, but it's great to be here. So thank you so much for having me. Now, I want to take the opportunity just while Pastor Rohan and Anna aren't here, just to talk about them, you know, to, to sort of dish the goss a little bit. No, not, not really. But just to say, what an amazing couple you guys have got leading this, this congregation and, and, and I know that if, if they were here, they would feel well awkward and embarrassed. So I want to use this opportunity to say, I don't think I've ever met such a faithful per- man of prayer than I have with Pastor Rohan. He inspires me and challenges me in his just dedication to lay everything before God. He is truly a, like integrous man of prayer. And in Anna, wow, just what a... What a pastoral heart. What an amazing woman of God who is just there to serve and just to, to lay down herself and be vulnerable to give others the opportunity to do the same. And I just want to say thank you, Jesus, for those guys. And, and I know they love you. They never stop talking about this congregation, about all of you guys. They never stop talking about their heart for Crawley and what God is saying over Crawley, and particularly this area around Broadfield. Like they, they are heart and soul for you and for this place and uh, and and I know I know about you guys I'm sure you know and you love these guys but we never ever want to take for granted I mean not by the way they've never ever said to me anything like oh Crawley congregation take us for granted <laughs> not at all by the way just want to put that out there but just just have that opportunity just re- remind like these guys are awesome so thank you Jesus for Rohan and Anna and and also to say I'm sorry you guys have got to put up with me today instead of a instead of them but um it is great to be here let's just take a moment just to take a deep breath before God and just invite the Holy Spirit afresh just just for a moment yeah thank you Lord you're here We just invite you to come and speak to our hearts afresh, Father, that we would receive everything that you've got for us today. Amen. Great. Now, I hope you guys have been enjoying some of the the celebrations of the last few days with the, uh, the, um, the Jubilee. Anyone been to street parties or anything like that? No, I, I, I did. <laughs> no one else. Or it's just been watching on the TV and been to London, celebrations. I think it's really interesting that today, as, as Isabel mentioned, is also Pentecost. Now, as she, she alluded to, Pentecost was originally, it's the Greek name for what was originally a Jewish feast. It was originally called the Feast of Weeks. The reason it was called the Feast of Weeks because it was seven weeks. So seven weeks, like seven days, a week of weeks. The Feast of Weeks, um, after the f- Feast of First Fruits, which came the day after Passover. And so, if you remember the story at Pentecost, the disciples are in the upper room. They've gathered together. The ho- they've been praying uh, for days and days and days, and the, for the last 10 days or so. And the Holy Spirit comes like a fire with this sound of a mighty rushing wind. And they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They spill out onto the streets. And there are people from all over the place in Jerusalem who are meeting together who say, I can hear them speaking in my own tongue. And you might think, well, why? Why are all these people in Jerusalem? And of course, 
It was Jerusalem. It was this massive hub for trade and for worship as well uh, in, in the ancient world. But also it was because of this, the Feast of Weeks. It was a celebration of the first harvest that was to come in that year. And so it's interesting that today is Pentecost, also on a day of celebration for a different reason. It's not the Feast of Weeks, it's the Jubilee. But I just think it's so interesting in God's timing that today is Pentecost. And Pentecost moves because of when the harvest is and when Passover is and all that kind of thing. But today is Pentecost. Similarly, kind of mirroring that first Pentecost of the, ho- of the disciples spilling out into the streets for all of these celebrations and to take what God had done in them to the people. And today, we are going to be spilling out of this building to maybe some, some, uh, some street parties or maybe just meeting with some friends or maybe you've got nothing going on and, and you're a bit like me today and you've just kind of got a really boring <laughs> afternoon. But this rest of this week to come, there is something that God wants to do in us today that we will take with us and spill out into the world around us. Amen. And uh, today we're going to look at a particular verse. Our key verse is in, from John 20. If you've got your Bibles, you want to turn to John 20, verses 21 to 22. And uh, this is the words of Jesus. He says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, there is so much we could say about that verse, just alone. I mean, peace be with you. We all need to hear that from Jesus today, right? With everything that's going on in the world and economic crisis and war in Europe and, and COVID and monkeypox and everything else we see in the news, we need peace, don't we? Deep in our inner beings. We need emotional well-being. We need, uh, we need well-being in every part of ourselves. Peace, this shalom, this complete well-being. But we don't have time to look at that today. We could look at um, now in the same way that the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. Wow, just that statement in of itself. In the same way, Jesus is saying to you, in the same way that Jesus, that the Father has sent me, Jesus said, I am sending you. I mean, that is an amazing statement. We don't have time to look at that today. We're going to focus on just this one statement. Receive the Holy Spirit. I mean, even in that, we could spend weeks, right, going into the, the depths of what does that mean? Who is the Holy Spirit and how do we receive him? But today in our short service, by the way, we're going to just end at 11 today. Um, we're just going to keep a bit shorter. So we've got time for the going out part. Uh, we want to see if we can very briefly answer four questions. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? Who is he for? And how do I receive him? Now, I don't know who I'm talking today. I don't know you guys. If we're in Horsham, I could maybe look around and think, oh, I know people, I know where people are at. And though I know some of you, for the most part, I don't know. Are you somebody who sat there going, well, I don't have a relationship with God yet, so I don't think I know this Holy Spirit you're talking about. Maybe you're someone who says, yeah, I know God, I'm a Christian, but I don't know if I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I've certainly never spoken in tongues, and what is that all about? Or maybe you're someone who has been filled with the Holy Spirit and seen amazing things and miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life, and maybe you just need a fresh filling. Wherever you are at today in your spiritual walk, I believe God wants to speak to all of us afresh. Just remind us about his Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit is for. So we're going to start with just a little bit of testimony. I want to share a bit of my story with you guys um, of my encounters with the Holy Spirit. Um, 
And my story kind of starts when I was, I was 16, just about to turn 17. I was raised in an atheist household. Um, I had no uh, interest in religion or God or very little respect for people who did. And uh, I was very proud, very arrogant, thought I knew everything there was to know. Of course, I was a teenager, so who doesn't when you're a teenager? And I thought I knew everything there was to know. And, uh, and I just... It was very rude to some friends of mine, but these friends of mine knew Jesus, and they were true friends. They did not give up on me. No matter how rude I was to them, no matter how many times I told them where they could stick their religion, they just kept on being my friends. And, uh, and I remember one night we were talking over MSN Messenger. Anyone remember MSN Messenger? Yeah, in the room? Yeah, good. those were the good old days, MSN Messenger. It was an instant messaging text thing on, over computer, and... Um, we were, uh, we were talking one night, it was about 9 p.m., about something completely unspiritual. I think it was about who was going to such and such a house party and what girls we were hoping to bring. Um, stress the word hoping. And uh, we were having this conversation, and uh, I got this email out of the blue, something to do about Buddhism. And I, and I said to my friends, kind of joking, like, oh, guys, I think I've, I've worked on my life plan. I'm going to move to China and become a Buddhist Shaolin monk and learn to fight crime with my like, you know, martial arts skills. And, uh, and they, they were kind of like, look, Colin, how many times have we had this conversation about faith and this kind of stuff? If you want to try religion, you want to know what religion is about, you don't want to be a Shaolin monk, you need to know Jesus. And I thought to myself, all right, fine. We've had this conversation so many times. Fine. I will do it. And they kind of dared me, dared me to be a Christian. I said, fine, prove to me that God's real. I won't argue. I won't, you know... I won't tell you where to put your religion. I will just listen and I'll prove to you. I'll be a Christian for a month. I'll prove to you at the end of that month, there's nothing in it. There's a load of rubbish. And so we started this conversation about who Jesus is. And I was blown away that I suddenly realized I knew nothing about this person of Jesus. Nothing. I, I learned what I'd learned in Sunday school, um, you know, when I was about five years old, coloring in a picture of Moses. That was about the, the depth of my knowledge of who Jesus is. And, uh, and I found myself realizing that if everyone lived like this man, Jesus, that would solve all of the world's problems. He was like uh, the moral perfection. You know, he was the person that if we all followed him morally, it would, it would change the world. And I thought, okay, after this month, I don't believe in God, but I'll follow the man of Jesus. And our conversation progressed, and we started talking about, uh, about sin, what sin was. And I was like, what, what is this sin? Why do I feel all of a sudden... I didn't have this vocabulary at the time, but convicted. Like, why do I feel guilty about sin that's only sin because a God that I don't believe in says it's sin? Why should I still feel unclean? And where does this feeling come from? And then we carried on talking about prayer and what prayer was. By this point, it was about three o'clock in the morning. It was a long conversation. And uh, about prayer and prayer being this conversation with God. And I was like, you think God talks to you? You guys are crazy. I thought prayer was, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be, you know, just that. And that was it, nothing more. And so we carried on talking about prayer and this conversation, this relationship with God. And so I said, okay, well, shall I try it then? They said, yeah. I said, well, what would a good prayer be? Something like, Lord, help me be a good person and live for you or something like that. And they said, yeah, try it. So 
I thought, okay, well, it's three o'clock in the morning. I'm sat alone in my study. No one's going to know how embarrassing this is that me, the militant atheist, is actually trying to pray. Don't tell anyone. And so I sat there and I put my hands like this and I bowed my head thinking that's how you're supposed to pray. And I remember I was going to pray this prayer, something like, Lord, help me good, give a big good person, something like that. And I found myself thinking, not realizing the Bible promises this, that to each person God would give a measure of faith, you know, that there was this, this tiny grain of faith in me of God. If you were real, it would change everything. Are you there? And if you are, I'm going to try this. And if you're not, well, no one has to know and I'm never going back to that. And so I closed my eyes and I bowed my head and I said, Lord, and that moment, the moment I said that one word, it was like I was hit with the Holy Spirit. I didn't know that was what it was at the time or who it was, but I something physically inside my belly was like just being squeezed and I felt like liquid electricity running down my legs and up my chest and down my arms. I was shaking all over with this ear-to-ear grin and this incredible sense not of what is going on but of love and peace and joy and being clean and being made right and I was absolutely overflowing with this incredible ecstasy of Wow, wow, wow. And to the point where I even felt an arm physically embrace me. And I turned around thinking my dad must have come downstairs and I didn't hear him or something like that. And I felt this arm and there was no one there, but it didn't weird me out. It was the most natural, amazing, wonderful, meant to be feeling I'd ever encountered in my life. And I sat there for just 10 minutes. Again, I didn't have any of this vocabulary, but just in the glory of God. And I turned back to my friend and uh, and I just typed this in. I think I've just met God. And the man of faith that he is, he said, nah, you're pulling my leg. (laughs) I was like, no, honestly, I've just, this was what I experienced. And and he's like, oh, wow, yeah, that's great. That kind of thing happens all the time. And I, that happens all the time? Why didn't anybody tell me? And that was the moment that I first experienced the power of God's spirit. It wasn't a understanding up here. It wasn't just a a hope or wouldn't it be nice if God were real. It was a real experience of God. Now, that's not to say that every person at that that moment has a physical experience in that sense. We'll come on to that later. But for me, I believe God wanted to show me something in that moment. He said, I've been waiting my whole life for you to say one word, Lord not Father, not God, I think, Lord, if you'll make me your Lord, if you put me in charge of your life, I'll, you receive my spirit. And my friend started to show me these Bible verses. I had no idea, by the way, about the Bible. I couldn't even read a Bible reference. If you said to me, John 3.16, I would find John, I could get that far from contents, and then I'd be like, why are there so many numbers? I'd never, ever read the Bible. And he said, look at this, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And I was like, no way. All I said was one word, Lord. He said, look over here, and he flicks another verse, and it says, if you believe in me, then out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. I was like, it came out of my belly. Whoa, this is so weird. This book is true. Who knew? And, uh, and so this started this journey of learning to follow God. And, and so I gave, I, I read the Bible And I thought, okay, if this is true, this Holy Spirit bit's true, it must all be true. So that means Jesus died for me and gave his life for me. I need to give my life 
back to him then. So I threw myself into the church. I joined every team there was going. I joined the church cleaning team, the prayer team, the kids team, the worship team, like everything. But apart from one, there was one I felt I couldn't join. And that was the street evangelism team. There was just something in me that just felt like it was still missing. And don't get me wrong, I had an amazing that year, just learning, being a disciple of Jesus, falling in love with him, worshipping him. There were times when in worship, I would get to this point where I was so desperate to express how amazing he was that I would just get to the point where I'd just go, I can't physically express in words how much you mean to me, Jesus. And a year went by of this learning to, to follow him and what that looked like. And at the end of that year, I went to faith camp. Anyone here ever been to faith camp? Oh, how many people miss faith camp? It was a wonderful time. God's got even more for us. I mean, don't know what that looks like, but even more. And um, at faith camp, I was there and I knew this is what I needed. I needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'd already been born again of the Spirit. That's, by the way, when John 3, in John 3, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, that's what he's talking about. He says, you must be born again. You must be born, not again of a woman, not born of water, like when a woman's water breaks and she goes into labor. That'll be happening to my wife soon. She's pregnant at the moment. Thank you, Jesus. But not being born again of water, but being born of the Spirit. So when we become a Christian, we are born of the Spirit. We have God's Spirit in us. But he was talking about being filled or baptized or submerged in the Holy Spirit. This was something even more, this overflowing. And I knew I needed this. This was the, when Jesus talked about the, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses. I knew I needed the Holy Spirit power to be a witness. And I was at faith camp and Pastor Eric Casto, those who know him, he was talking in the move about receiving the Holy Spirit. I said, Jesus, I need this. And he was talking about praying in tongues and just asking and receiving and then just opening your mouth and letting God fill it. And that's exactly what I did. And everything changed. My worship went from getting to this point of, Jesus, you're just so awesome. I just don't know how to express it. To suddenly, and this tongues, this heavenly language poured out of my mouth. And suddenly I could express in new words how amazing, how wonderful God was in a language I'd never learned. I joined the street evangelism team and started going out and witnessing to, to people I knew from college and from school who were often, we tended to go to the bit with the skate ramps and things and they were smoking weed and through having, you know, smoke blown in your face, you'd be witnessing to people like Jesus. And I had the privilege of leading the first person that I ever got to lead to the Lord uh, at, on their knees at a park bench, praying together at about midnight on a Friday night. And, uh, and I started going around my college and we would pray at lunchtime with my Christian friends who'd led me to the Lord and I. We'd pray for the first half of our lunch break and then we would go out and we would look for people and we'd say, hey, is there anything wrong with you? Have you got a sickness or something like that? Can we pray for you? Having no idea what we were doing. And, uh, and we would have people, one, one girl, she was, she was a Muslim girl, and she said, well, actually, yeah, my, um, my oh, surprise, first of all, someone says yes. But anyway, she said, yeah, my, my shoulder is, um, I keep getting this frozen shoulder, and it's all red and swollen. She showed us her shoulder, and it was, looked very swollen, red, and uncomfortable. And uh, she said, yeah, so you, you can pray for me. And I said, not knowing what we were doing, we just, we just read the Bible. It says, believers lay their hands on the sick, and they get better. So we just touched her shoulder and just said, get better in Jesus' name. Let's see what happens. And she, she looks at us like this and goes, what have you done? What, have you, what did you do? And she starts waving her arm around like this. And she's, what did you do? Shows us her shoulder now looking completely normal or the swelling gone or the redness gone. She's like, what did you, 
do my boyfriend. And she drags over her boyfriend, Andy, who had this lump on his neck here. And I don't know what it was. She said, do him, do him, Andy. They just prayed for me. Her shoulder got better. Do him. So we said, oh, I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed. In Jesus' name, get better. And, uh, and nothing happened. But Andy came back and saw us within, within a month. And this, this lump on his neck had completely gone. Apparently, he'd been on medication. And they said, it's going to take months and months and months for this thing to slowly go away. I don't know what it was. But within a month, it had gone after we'd prayed. He just said, hey, thank you for praying. They didn't fall on their knees and receive Jesus as their Lord. I don't know why. I don't understand it sometimes. But they were healed. One girl, um, Lucy, she was in my math class. She was heading out to... Uh, she was heading out of the college. I said, hey, Lucy, where are you going? She said, I'm going to the dentist. I've got to get a, a big filling done. I'm not really looking forward to it. And I said, hey, do you, do you mind if I pray for you? And she was like, uh, <laughs> you know, I'd rather you didn't kind of thing. Um, and, and, I, and I just felt something come out of me. Again, I don't think I really knew what it was called, but the Holy Spirit calls it prophecy. And I just, I just said over her, Lucy, you're going to get to the dentist. And the dentist is going to look in your mouth. He says, you don't need this filling. I don't even know why you're here. There's nothing wrong with your teeth. And she was like, okay, what a freak, and, you know, weirdo, and went on her way to the dentist. A couple of days later, she was sat next to me in maths, I said, hey, how'd it go to the dentist? She said, oh, it's the weirdest thing, I got there, and he looked in my mouth, and said, you don't need this feeling, I don't even know why you're here, they must have made a mistake. I was like, wow, this is real, the Holy Spirit, this power that Jesus talks about, these gifts of the Holy Spirit of miracles, and prophecy, and faith, and healing, they are real, and they are meant for every one of us. And it was this amazing just experience. The Holy Spirit changed the way I worshipped. He changed the way that I could speak about the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. He changed the way I could pray for people. He changed the way I prayed to God. I remember being on the bus on my way home from college sometimes. And, uh, and I would just be wanting to pray for people on the bus, which looks really weird, by the way. If you just sat on the bus and you just look like you're talking to yourself and looking at people, you know, I'm just praying for them. I'm just going to pray for you right now. You look a bit, no one's going to want to come in to talk to you. So I thought, okay, Jesus, is this okay? I'm just going to pretend to be on the phone while I talk to you. But again, if you're on the phone, you're saying, hey, Holy Spirit, that also looks weird. So I said, is it okay? Now, I don't know theologically where you stand with this, by the way. This was just me. I don't do this now. My relationship with God has moved on. But at the time, I just said, Holy Spirit, is it okay if I just call you Dave? You and I both know who I'm talking to. So I would just say, hey, Dave. And I would just start praying for people while pretending to be on the phone. Did look weird once when my phone rang when I was pretending to be talking on it. But for the most part, I had this relationship where the Holy Spirit would just say, pray for this person. And I would start to pray for them. And in preparing for this morning, I was so encouraged as the Holy Spirit reminded me of this. And if I'm perfectly honest, I feel like some of that has slipped in my life, that that real, just close, Holy Spirit, what are you saying right now? What do you want to do right now? And it's been so good to be reminded of just that, like faith like a little child, of just trusting the Holy Spirit. Just I remember walking home sometimes and going, Holy Spirit, just tell me, which way should I go, left or right? And I, I, I don't think it matters in one sense, but it was just this, like, Holy Spirit, I want to learn to hear you so readily that even when I'm just going for a walk, I don't just take the same path I take every, every day I go home from school. I want to know what you're saying to me every moment, every day. And that's the first thing we need to know in who is the Holy Spirit? He is a person. Oh my goodness, how is it three minutes to 11 already? We're going to have to skip the whole rest of this message. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is a person, first and foremost. He's not a force. He's not a power. I can give you loads of scriptures if you want to talk to me about that at the end. 
What does he do? We've talked about that a bit already. He transforms our worship. He transforms our prayer. He transforms the way that we minister. He transforms the way that we live our lives and he leads us. Who is it for? The Holy Spirit is for everyone. All flesh, the Lord talks about pouring it out on. And you might feel like, I believe there's some people who you feel today, yeah, but I've grown cold. I've grown cynical. I've gone far from the Lord. I've grown fearful. I'm not sure how faithful I am anymore. I'm not really sure that God wants to pour his spirit out on me or, or I've dried up a little bit. I want to remind you who it was that the Holy Spirit was poured out on at Pentecost. Those disciples who we can think of as like, well, yeah, they were spiritual superheroes, weren't they? Let's just read a little bit about um, what was going on in those disciples at that time from the Bible. Some had become hard-hearted and cynical, Mark 16, 14. Thomas, that one disciple, of course, he was full of unbelief, John 20, 25. There was doubt and anxiety, Luke 24, 37. And of course, the last time that Peter, one of the apostles, one of the disciples, had seen Jesus, he had denied him three times. Not just once, not just twice, three times. So even if you feel like, oh, I'm, not, I'm not sure I'm being that faithful, you're probably still doing better than Peter and Thomas and the other disciples. So one of those things is probably, if that's how you're feeling, it's a lie. Some of that would just be from the enemy, accusation. Some of it might well be true, but it doesn't disqualify you. And third, even if it is true, it doesn't disqualify you because that's the very reason why the Lord sends us, gives us his Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who produces these things that we need to love the Lord in, to be faithful. It's him, it's his grace, it's not our self-effort. And the last things we need to know is that two things the Holy Spirit does is he grows fruit in us and he gives gifts. We must never get the two confused. Those, those fruits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, they are grown. If we say, Lord, give me patience, he doesn't just go, done. You know, that Evan Almighty scene where, where the lady's talking, Joan's talking with Morgan Freeman who plays God and saying, make me, I, when, what do I do? What do I do? And he says, well, when someone asks for patience, do you think God gives them, zaps them with patience? No, he gives them the opportunity to be patient. He gives space to allow the Holy Spirit to grow these things in us. Conversely, the gifts are given. They're not grown. They're not developed. They're not earned. They cannot be taken. They must be given. And the, Holy, the, the Bible puts it this way. I think of this like, like, a, like with my daughter. It says this in Matthew. Which of you, if your son or your daughter asked you for a fish, would give them a snake? Or asked for bread, would give them a stone? So if you, fathers, earthly fathers, who are evil, well, let's face it, we're a pretty evil bunch, aren't we? If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more? Will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If I was giving my daughter a gift on her birthday, I wouldn't say, there you go, and she opens it up, and you know, inside yours, there's a puppy. So yet yeah, you can have it when you pay me back. This was, this was not cheap. No! Or if I give her this puppy, she says, oh, thank you, Daddy. No, you, you can have it when you do all your chores. That's not a gift. In fact, I wouldn't want her to do all the chores because at the moment she's two and a half and her chores look like spreading applesauce over the table, taking off her a sock and rubbing in saying, Daddy, I do cleaning. Thank you. Um, but yeah, it's a gift. It cannot be earned. So there's nothing to disqualify us. There's nothing that we could do that would take us out of the, the qualification of 
all flesh. If you just have a quick feel, yeah, are you, yeah, you're living, your person got a pulse, then you're qualified. So all we need to do then is ask. Would you stand with me? I think I've just got such a download from God for stuff. We could talk for like another hour, but the important part is not talking about the Holy Spirit. It's not this bit up here. It is experiencing him. Amen. It's receiving him. So we're going, to do, we're going to start by doing the simplest thing ever. We're going to pray this most ancient of prayers. If you've ever done the Alpha Course or the Holy Spirit Day, you've just seen the way God works through this. This wonderful prayer. It's the simplest prayer we could ever pray. It is simply this. Come, Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you, just position yourself now to receive a gift. You might want to put your hands out. And just see yourself stood before the Father. And remember this Father who says, I want, I want to give you this gift. I want you to know my Holy Spirit personally. And we just look to the Father and we just say, come, Holy Spirit. Just see Jesus just breathing on people. Holy Spirit is described as, as the Ruach, the breath of God or the wind of God. Sometimes people, when they get prayed for, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they fall down. It's like being blown over by a strong wind. You might feel heat. In your body or in your hands, the Holy Spirit's described as a fire. It's completely normal. You might feel just a sense of refreshing. The Holy Spirit's described like water. That's, again, completely normal. Or you might feel nothing. That's absolutely fine because you were designed to have God's Spirit live in you. It is the most perfectly normal and natural thing to be filled with God's Spirit. It's how we were meant to be. We don't receive them by a feeling. We receive them by faith. Thank you, Lord. Father, I want to pray for every person right now, Father, for a, for a filling, either fresh or for the first time with your Holy Spirit, a baptism, submerging up to overflowing. Father, thank you that there's no person in here who has to suddenly learn to become a great evangelist with some amazing, uh, wonderful uh, orator and, and public speaker who can move people to their knees in, in, uh, in when they start to speak, Father, before they're now inviting your Holy Spirit. No, it's the other way around. Your Holy Spirit is the one that releases us and gives us the power to what you're calling us to do. Thank you, Lord, today for your Spirit falling on us afresh like it did at Pentecost. The Father, as we go out into the streets and we, we see people, Father, as we go out to parties or to in the offices in the week, wherever we're going, Father, let us carry your Holy Spirit and be aware of him afresh Father, what you want to do through us and in us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. 
For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.